Welcome to the Missouri Valley Mobilizing Voices for Change One Valley podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and today's guest really needs no introduction. Sister Jean Dolores Smith has become synonymous with Loyola and with Ramblers basketball after becoming a national sensation during Loyola's 2018 Final Four run. Now, what you may not realize about Sister Jean is she's been a team chaplain since 1994. And today we're just thrilled to welcome her to the show. Sister Jean, how are you? Oh, I'm great today too. Now, did you want me to tell me tell me about that? I'm a sister of charity of the Blessed Virgin Mary and yeah. our mother is in Dubuque, Iowa. I just always like to give that little sentence in there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. I, I, that's important to know. Um, you know, we're going to go back a little bit to just earlier in your life. You, you grew up in San Francisco and you felt a calling to a life of faith and service from a young age. How and when did you know that you wanted to be a sister? Oh, I wanted to be one when I was eight, eight years old. I was in third grade and we had just a wonderful uh, sister. And I later found out that we were the first class she ever taught. She just had come from making her vows and then she got to teach us as number one. And she always used to say to us, you're not too young to be thinking about what you wanna do when you grow up. And so I had always wanted to be always eight years old. I wanted to be a teacher, and I was always playing school with my brothers. And so I thought, well, I can do what Sister Patrice does. She's a sister and she's a teacher. So I, I just will be a sister. And I want to be a BVM sister, a sister of charity, the Blessed Virgin Mary, because those are the ones I knew as teachers. That's, that's how it came about. I really never changed my mind when I was young, very young, like boys and girls talk about what they're going to do and everything. But then as you get older, you don't talk too much about it because you don't want to be excluded from social events because uh, the people say, oh, she's going to the convent, you know. But um, when I was a senior in high school then, um, one of the sisters asked me um, if I, she thought I had a vocation. And she said, did you write to the mother house and ask them if you could come? And I said, oh no, I just thought I'd go. And she said, oh, that's not the way we do it. You have to write a letter and you have to, it, so that they can accept you because we have an admissions policy. And I thought admission policies only happened to like high schools and great and uh, going on to college. So I wrote my letter and they told me to come. So I went. Yeah. You've, uh, you've worked on a college campus in Loyola for, for more than half your life now. Why has working at Loyola been such a good fit for you? Um, when I first came, uh, when the affiliation uh, happened between Amundine College and Loyola University, I was assigned to the School of Continuing Professional Studies as an academic advisor. And that was a really good place for me. And I, I worked there. And I also um, worked in campus ministry 
because the campus minister was trying to make everybody feel good about the affiliation because of little frictions here and there. And she was brought in to take care of those frictions. So she thought I should also be working in RCIA, which is the ritual of initiation for Christianity for adults. I said to her, oh, Barbara, I've never done that. And she said, I said, I'm not a theologian. She said, I don't need a theologian. She said, I need somebody who can interact with college students in this program. So that I began that in campus ministry and it, I just seemed to fit right there. And so um, that was a program well directed by her. And then that was in 1991 that the affiliation happened. And then 1994, the, the Jesuit who was in charge of the, as a chaplain in the men's basketball uh, team um, said to me, um, the Jesuit was retiring and then the one who was the coordinator of the chaplain said to me, would you like to be chaplain to the men's basketball team? And I said, whoa, I never did that either. But I said, I'm willing to try. So I started then and I just love every single moment since that time. Um, well, speaking of the students and, and the student athletes, how is your involvement with, with both those groups, student athletes and students really impacted their view of older adults and your view of younger adults? Yeah, they're, they're, they always, many times they say to me, oh, Sister Jean, you remind me of my grandmother. And I said, don't tell her that because I said, <laughs> mothers are about 50 years old, half as old as I am. It's probably your great grandmother that I thought I would represent. And so we're, we just have fun together, even in our serious conversations. I never say to them, um, why, why did you do that thing? Or, um, you know, what, what reason do you have if they did something wrong? And I say, I consider it a mistake. So I just say, you made a mistake. Your, your mom had a saying growing up, it's better to wear out than to rust out. Yeah. How have you applied your mom's wisdom to your own life? Well, I took the wear out part, <laughs> not the rest out. Not that I have, not that I'm worn out. I'm not. I'm really not. Of course, I can see I have a different sense of energy from the time I was younger. But um, I, I just felt that my mother also told us that you know we needed to think about God when we were work, work, uh, working or whatever, playing whatever we were doing. And so um, I just kept doing that. And every place I went, I was having little extra jobs and stuff like things like that. And so it, it, it just, I wanted to get them finished. I wanted to get them done. I wanted to make everything work wherever I was in the school. I, I didn't want any big problems to occur either because of me or somebody else and um, that's why I just 
and it just makes me happy to be with people. So COVID was pretty hard, except that I found a lot of work to do. You, you touched on that you've been the men's basketball team chaplain since 1994. How did your interest in basketball first develop? Was it, was it that first year in 1994? Were you a basketball fan before that? Oh, I was a basketball fan before that. Um, when I went up, when I was in elementary school, we didn't have any sports at all. Our school was a brand new school, and they didn't. I guess they didn't have enough money, so we had just made up our own games in the playground, you know, from the lunch, uh, recess or lunch break. So um, there, when I went to high school and saw they had a basketball team, I, I just fell in love with it right away. And uh, so, but, so I couldn't be on the varsity because I didn't have any experience, um, but I was on the club, what was equal to a club uh, thing. And basketball court at that time was divided into three, mm. three sections so that at either end by the standard, there were two um, forwards and two guards. In the middle, there were two sides and two centers and I was a little I was a short girl and so I was a side and we didn't move out of that little piece of area that we had and if we went over the line the other team got the ball hmm. it was more of a passing game than it was of what we do today of dribbling up and down the court yeah. and that was in I went to high school in 1933 and then played until 1937. And then in 1938, the court was divided in half. And that, that was a big move. That was a big move for, for the people who were working on it because they didn't think girls should be running up and down the court so, so much, you know, and so fast. They didn't think they could do that. But the, but the girls proved they could. And that, that was really that was really important that, that they could do it. And um, I was happy to understand that. And even when we were in the novitiate in Dubuque, we had a basketball court and we used to um, play there frequently. And then when the, some of the sisters would come for the summer, then we'd, we'd play against them and always make a big deal out of that big game that we played. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what's, what's the greatest joy about being the team chaplain for Loyola men's basketball? Oh, there are so many great stories. Uh, perhaps uh, 2018 was the biggest when we went to the final four. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was amazing. The first day after we, well, after we beat our uh, first in our first bracket, then I said to myself, "Oh," and when I woke up, this is for real. Get, get going, girl. And so I knew from there I had to do what I was supposed to do. And then they told me that reporters were waiting in the lobby to to talk to me, and so. I thought, well, I better get my act together. So we, 
I, I wouldn't be able to do without the people from Loyola who helped me in the, in the beginning there. And then we kept moving on and on. And um, it, it was just so, so much fun at every one of those games because as the fellows, as the young men got off the court, you know, and those, those hugs, those sweaty hugs always meant a lot because it, when we got the first, first, first game and Dante made that three-pointer, I mean, three point, yes, a three-pointer, it just sliced right through that um, basket and you could just almost hear it. Maybe they had a mic there, I don't know. But anyhow, it, it was wonderful. And we knew what was going to go in. The next game, uh, Clayton Custer was running up and down the court with the, that final ball. And he took an unbelievable shot. And when he came off the court, I said, Clayton, I, I, I didn't think, I wasn't sure that bat ball was going into the basket. And he said, Neither did I, Sister Jean, but I had to take the risk. So I said, well, it was a good one. Let's keep going. And so we did. And then they, they said to me as we went along, uh, after they went to the Sweet 16, uh, they said, Sister Jean, we beat your brackets. And I said, I know you did. I had them on my bracket. I had them going to the Sweet 16. And so they went to the elite eight and then to the final four and every one of those games was unbelievable and uh, they were so excited and they did so well and uh, the final four Michigan was really hard so that's where we we dropped off but it they were happy that they got that far yeah, you know, well, as, as you alluded to, uh, you, you became sort of this national celebrity during that Final Four run. Why do you think the nation took such a liking to you and your story and who you are? I, 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 I don't know, because I didn't work to do that. Um, I think it's because I'm a sister, first of all. And the, besides that, I'm old. I'm I'm hundred two now, and there's something about older people, like hundred two. They say, "Oh, Sister Jean, I thought you were 70. And I say, "Oh, that's really a compliment," you know. <laughs> but uh, I I think that's the reason. The other reason is that I'm I'm not afraid to talk to people. If people want to know something, I I tell I tell them about it, and they. They say, if they say they want a picture, I say, oh, sure. I never, never say no to them. And um, I might have to say, well, you have to follow me because we're going to get the, the cab to go, go back downtown. So you better follow me because we don't want to miss it when it comes. And they, they will, they'll, they'll, they'll follow. I, I just think those are the things. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, people ask me for so many things when they're near me in a private, they'll say, oh, would you pray for me or would you pray for my daughter? I want her to do this or that or I won't pray for my husband or wife who has cancer. And so I have a 
little prayer I made up for people for cancer and right now I have uh, two two women and about five men on that recent and so I pray for the two women by name in the morning I I say for these two women and I say and the boys (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not I'm not repeating every 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 single name every day, but God knows who the boys are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then um, you know, I got some really nice letters from people and emails and um, thanking me for doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just amazing. Uh, also, from I I get some from little children. And what what one little boy writes to me periodically, and uh, at Christmas time they sent me a card. And father said, "Oh, he he just he enjoys your your messages to him, Sister Jean." So um, I wrote back, I sent him a card, and thanked them for their their card and their greetings and their nice message personal message and and so I addressed the envelope to the little boy and I said in the inside my card I said you know share this with your family so so he could get it and of course I do manuscript writing when I do to him because he doesn't do proofs of writing yet um you know what's the big you know talking a little bit about this year's Loyola team What's the biggest difference you see? You were very close with Porter Moser, the, the, the former coach that's now at Oklahoma and doing very well at Oklahoma. And obviously Drew Valentine uh, was on Porter's staff and now he's the head coach at Loyola. So what's the biggest difference you notice uh, just in coaching styles? I think that, um, well, first of all, I know that Drew learned a lot from Porter and um, he's, he's doing very well with the team. We are fortunate that he was the one to be chosen because he he knows these young men who were here uh, when he took over. And he's following very much of what Porter did. I think though he's he tells our the team that they have to believe in themselves and trust in themselves. And I think those are two good words for him to be using um, with them because they sort of fit into what I also had talked about. Yeah, I do actually, uh, I had a chance to interview Lucas uh, probably about maybe six months ago and he told me about it, which I thought I was so, uh, just so proud of him for getting involved in that. Oh, yes, he's, he's the narrator and he's really good. And I hope you get to see it. We, yeah. had, we had special viewings last, Last week, um, first we on Thursday night we had uh, reporters and people from came out from all over to um, be there present for the premiere. I remember seeing that team. Well, I saw that game, in 1963, mm-hmm. on a little television that was about 11 inch black and white, and uh, it was it was. It, broadcast late and of course no cell phones in those days 
And so nobody called us and said they won. So when you watch the game, you really watched it intensely. And it, it was very intense, especially at, when we were down 20, 20 points in the second half. The thing that they made those and all the others, it, it was remarkable. But it, it's also a, a story of life. Those real people are talking and not actors who have to drain themselves sometimes to be emotional and be involved. And, and the ones who are on the screen are just wonderful. And we're really sorry that Jerry Harkness died before it was finished not too long ago. And so, but his wife came the two nights and it was, and the whole thing was very touching too. And now the conversations are be they did a discussion afterward, and now the conversations are beginning in groups here too. So that because it's look, see the film and begin the conversation, and that's what we're doing. That's great. Yeah. No, I um, Lucas. Fortunately, when I talked to him, he told me all about it. And actually, when I interviewed Lucas. Uh, I interviewed Jerry at the same time. So I got to, to speak with oh. them both. So I was so fortunate to be able to, to talk to Jerry for the first time before he passed. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to view it here in the, in the next month. Uh, I was, I've been anticipating it for a while. So I'm um, oh. looking, looking forward to it. Uh, sister, sister Jean, you, you've lived through the great depression, uh, polio, world war II. Vietnam and, and now COVID. Right. How do you view the, the current state of the world as it relates to other challenging times in history that you've lived through? Well, the news media has picked up so much that we know more now than we ever did before. But uh, for example, when the polio uh, came, I can, I can remember that my mother wanted us to have the vaccination as soon as we could get it, you know, but she didn't want us to get polio because she read about the effects of it. And later on, we saw people who were affected and couldn't walk or whatever happened to them, you know, and suffered, so. Um, Sister Jean, as a, as a woman, what changes and advancements over the last century for women have surprised you? Oh, I, I think the fact that uh, women have become CEOs or have become presidents of universities or have been presidents of uh, other organizations. I think that that's, that's the biggest, biggest thing that they've made that uh, come forward. And I would hope in all those situations that the people who are working under them understand that they've gone through a, an interview process, as all men have gone through, and they have a resume or retail, whichever you want to call it. And they have, they, they've gone through other, they've gone up the ladder. They haven't jumped from a secretary to the presidency. So they, they, the search committee evidently believed that they were the best ones because of the, they're qualified. 
And I would hope that would be the, the reason that every woman was chosen. And then in sports, there's a big, big change. And that from the time I, well, from the time I graduated, I, I know I kept track of different places where sports were important. And I, I, think, I think the importance of sports was uh, and its entrance into Title IX and all that. Title IX came along to make everything um, equal. And I, I would hope that everybody had, has, has done that. And I, I was actually responsible for starting two sports programs, in, I mean, a sports program in two different schools. Oh, really? Which one? Well, and I was, um, teach, I was teaching in Los Angeles. I taught there for 20 years. And then one school I went to was St. Charles in North Hollywood. And it was, the school was about seven years old, but we, we, we taught in bungalows for that length of time. And then they, they were able to build a really nice school. And so after I got there, and after I was there for a while, I realized that these young people, these boys and girls, came from quite wealthy families, but <clears throat> we had no sports. So I asked the principal, how come, what could, could we have sports? And she said, well, you have to talk to the pastor. So I talked to the pastor and he said, I said, you know, we're, we're not in sync and we have this CYO, Catholic Youth Organization, which had come was a kind of a director or supervisor of sports. And he said, well, we can have them if you'll take care of it. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll take care of it. Uh, la last question for you. You're 102 years old now. What is the, the secret for successful aging and a happy life? Well, people ask me that question all, very frequently. And so what I say is that I eat well, I sleep well, and hopefully I pray well. But I also have genes from my father. My father died at 95 mm. and his, all his siblings and he had five sisters and two brothers and they all died in their 90s. So I figured when I was 95, I thought to myself, well, I'll probably die at 95, you know, and here I am. But every day I wake up in the morning and I say, oh, thank you, God, for bringing me to this day. And please help me make it a day to give you honor and glory. Mm -hmm. And so I, when he wants me, he'll take me. I guess I have a lot of work to do yet, though. I would agree. And we're just so grateful that uh, we get to have you a part of it. And I'm certainly looking forward to, to next week and Arch Madness, and you will be there in person cheering on the Ramblers. And you you probably don't remember this because you meet so many people, but I actually had a chance to meet you for the first time. I believe it was 2017 at Arch Madness. Uh, 
I took, you, you gave me some time and let me interview you in person at Arch Madness. And it was obviously before you became a whole national celebrity. Um, but I always, uh, I always enjoyed that interaction and our, our little visit together and excited to see you again next week. Oh, yes. I'm excited to see you too. So yeah. if you want to interview me, go ahead. I will. I'll make sure to, to come up and say hi in person. Yes, do that, please, Kelly. This has been lovely doing this with you. Oh, well, thank you. This is uh, such an honor to, to get to spend some time with you and visit with you and just love hearing all your stories. So thank you for the, the gift that you are to all of us. Thank you, Kelly. God bless you.